All right. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I want you to take your Bibles, if you've got them, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. That's the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 14. I want to talk to you tonight about building up your faith, keeping your faith strong. Uh, let's talk about faith now. We're talking about faith for a little bit. Uh, let, me, let me say this. Your daily, now not your eternal salvation, but your daily life rises and falls on what? Your faith, not your knowledge. You can know, you can be brilliant. You can have a PhD in Bibleology or whatever and be as discouraged and low as a snake's belly in a wagon rut. It's not what you know up here, dear ones. It's your faith right here. It doesn't even rise and fall on your love. It rises and falls on your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. And our lives literally daily just rise and fall on our faith. Now, let me tell you something about, about living faith. And we're talking about a living, not, not, I believe there's a God. Congratulations, so does the devil. We're talking about a living faith that works. Let me tell you something about faith. It can change like that. I mean, faith comes and goes like this. You, you can walk on water one minute and be, and be drowning the next. And, and what we want to learn to do is how to build our own faith up so that it's strong. And uh, you heard the old, there's an old proverb, I think it's a Chinese proverb. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, you feed him the rest of his life. In John chapter four, there were some men who came to Jesus because this woman talked to them. And they said, at first we followed him because of what you said, but now we've learned to hear him for ourselves. Amen. That's what we want to do. It's good to let people build your faith up, but we want to get to the point where we can go straight to the man himself and say, help me and let him speak to our hearts. And this, I want you to learn something from this passage about how quickly faith can rise and fall and the power that's released in our faith. Matthew 14 Verse 22, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and they before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. They'd been ministering. Matthew 14, 23, when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. In the evening, he was alone there. Remember what we talked about last Sunday? Jesus was always cutting out the crowd to go get alone. Guess why? But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary, which means they're in a great storm. Now, let me teach you something here from God's word. Were they in trouble? And you know, this storm represents the storms of life. Were they in trouble because they disobeyed God? No, they were in trouble because they obeyed him. They'd have never got in this storm if they hadn't followed Jesus. Let's get this stuff out of our minds that if I follow Jesus, I'll just float to heaven on flowery beds of ease. I got news for you. The Bible doesn't teach that. If you follow Jesus, now let me make an announcement. Let me make an announcement. If you don't follow Jesus, there's going to be a storm in your life. If you follow Jesus, there's going to be a storm in your life. Why not have a storm that's headed to glory with faith? All right. So they're, they're in a storm and it's because they've obeyed Jesus. Don't, don't think if you follow Jesus, you won't find storms. My goodness. All right. So they're in the storm. Now watch what happens. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. I maybe think that's possible. Scholars have cut this out. The Bible says it's impossible. He who spoke and, and the son appeared can walk on water. Just thought you needed to know that. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and said, it is a ghost. You'd be surprised how many times something scared you to death and it was actually God coming to you in your life. So got to be real careful what we, we got to see with the eyes of faith. So he comes to them <clears throat> immediately. Verse 27, Jesus spoke to them saying, 
be of good cheer. The word is parakletos, be encouraged. I'm present, do not be afraid. Now, since the Bible is God speaking to me and you, he said that to them. Does he say it to me and you? How does Jesus talk to people? Quit being afraid. I'm present, be encouraged or be of good. This is how God talks right here. And he spoke to this. All right, Peter answered him. You knew it had to be him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Where do you get that from? I have no idea, but I know Jesus likes that kind of stuff. All right, verse 29. So he said, come. And when Peter came out of the box, we need to get out of the box or out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now people go on, but we need to stop right here. That man walked on water. Jesus walked on water. Well, I understand Jesus, but a redneck fisherman that can't stop cussing. That man walked on water. How many of you think, now, now here, we got to get deep here to understand this. How many of you think God had something to do with it? How many of you think the power of God was released into his life to be able to do this? How many of you think this is in here so you can go down to Lake McIntosh and try it? Put your Bible in a Ziploc bag if you do that. This is not here to teach you how to walk across a lake. This is a picture of what? By faith, living above the storms of life, having them under your feet instead of them scaring the fire out of you and you being torn out by the storm. Can you see it? This is a picture that storms come. You're not going to get out of storms, following Jesus, not following Jesus. But can you see this is a picture of, of an ability to be above the storms and that he not only was not afraid anymore, what do, you, what do you think was going on while he's walking on that? How many of you think he was a little nervous going over the edge of the boat? Yeah, faith's always going to have a risk. But how many of you think that after he took four or five steps, there was a new attitude about him? How many of you think he enjoyed it? How many of you think it'd be great to be above the storms that are kicking us around? That's what it's all about. All right, so the power of God's working in his life. And uh, obviously that's what this is. Now let's read the rest of it. Verse 30, when he saw the wind was boisterous or strong, when he focused on the storm, he was afraid and beginning to sink. What happened? Did God stop liking him? No. Can I ask you a question? Was the power of God cut off in his life? Absolutely. It, that's the reason he failed. Then God took his hand out from underneath him. The power of God wasn't there anymore. And then he became like what? All the other guys, the storm was wearing him out. Now, <clears throat> why, did, why did God stop helping him? Why did the power of God come off this man's life at this point? Y'all know the answer. He cried out, Jesus grabbed him. And then Jesus said what? What's the problem? What did Jesus say? It's a faith problem here. Yeah. Let's read it together. And Jesus said to him, uh, Verse uh, 31, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, oh, of you little faith, why did you? Tell me what doubt does to the power of God in my life. Cuts it off. Well, let's learn right here, dear ones. It's not how good you are, although you need to behave. If I'm going to be your pastor. It's not how much you know. It is a living faith that keeps the touch of God and the power of God flowing in your life. It is a living faith. And this, this man, kept, but here's what I want you to see. See how great his faith was at one point. He had faith to walk on water. You do too. How did it change so fast? How did it go from having such faith that the junk around him just didn't affect him at all? Matter of fact, he's sort of enjoying it. 
How did he go from that place of great faith down here to where Jesus said, where, where, what happened to your faith? Do you see how faith can go like this real fast? And of course it was, uh, we'll, you know, the elements of faith came there. When, his, when he was focused on Jesus, the power was flowing. Yes. When he began to stare at CNN, the power got cut off. You can see that clearly. When he focused on the storm, it got cut off. But was, listen to this. This is a tremendous teaching. If this is not for me and you, why is it in the Bible? The Bible's not a history book. This is where God teaches me and you how to live. How many of you believe we're living in a day of storms? Unless you've been hiding on Mars. And here's the good news. It's going to get worse. So Jesus gets back. I don't see any upswing till Jesus gets back if the Bible's true. But here's the great news. The same faith that carried him above those storms will carry you above the same storms. Well, now, you, as a, how many of you know all of them were believers? All 12 were believers. He, Simon was a believer the whole time. There's a big difference in a believer being kicked around by the storm and a, be, a believer living above the storms. Had nothing, it, it was his faith. See how important faith is in our lives? Daily faith. But it was, this faith thing comes and goes. It rises and falls, and you can see how his came and went, just like that. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to quote it again. I think I quoted it earlier. Be it unto you according to the will of God, no, he has made his will very clear in this word. He has made his will very clear in this word. Be it unto me according to my faith. That's Matthew 9, 29. Be it unto you according to your faith. Jesus died on a cross to give you everything he's got. The great passage there is Galatians chapter three, where it says Christ became a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree that all the blessings of Abraham could come upon us in Christ Jesus. He's given you everything he's got. It is the will of God. But then was only my faith can unlock what Jesus has already bought for me. How many of you believe Jesus died to save people? Why will so many people not be saved? For by grace are you saved through faith. You don't get the gift of God unless you exercise. You cannot be saved until you by faith ask him to do it and believe him to do it. Then faith is what unlocks everything there is. Uh, Matthew, I'm quoting in Matthew 9, 29. Now, if you want to, in the American church, we've gotten away from faith these days. I don't understand it. We're dealing with all kinds of weird stuff. Let me tell you how important faith is. By faith, Abraham became the father of a great nation. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed when she was 90 freaking years old. Talk to me. I shouldn't say freaking in church. By faith, Moses refused to live in the pleasure of Egypt and led two million people to safety. Daniel, Gabriel, that's Hebrews chapter 11. Every person that, that God ever released something into, it says by faith, by faith, by faith. We've got to get back to believing God in this generation. We've got to get off this complicated spooky mess and go back to the Bible and get to letting him build our faith back up. All right, now, let me ask you a question. I said faith can rise and fall. Don't raise your hand, don't shout, don't cry. Where's your faith right now? Right now. You you say, well, I had great faith in 09, 10, and 11. No, no, that's not how it works. This is hour by hour. Faith goes up and down. You can see it, Simon. He's walking on water one minute, next minute he's fish bait. (laughs) Where's yours right now? You need to have a big old gauge on the dashboard of your soul that says empty or full. Right faith underneath it. You ought to be able to gauge your faith. See, Jesus gauged his faith at that moment. He said, you ain't got none right now. That's the reason you're down there instead up here. All right. Number two, Satan knows this. Mm -hmm. Satan knows this. 
He knows the place of faith in a believer's life. He knows what faith can do because he knows, Satan knows God's word inside and out. He spent a lot of years with him until he got thrown out of the house. Therefore, he attacks your faith constantly, knowing if I cripple their faith, I'll cut God off in their lives. Wow. What's the first thing Satan ever did in this earth? Let's look at it. Turn with me to the first page, or Genesis chapter three. What is the first thing Satan ever did in this earth? Let's read it. Our heavenly father did good. He created a beautiful planet, put men and women in it. I mean, it was good. And the first thing God ever said to mankind was be fruitful, be successful, do well, grow, prosper. Show me what you can do with what I've given you. I look at the first thing Satan ever said in the earth. Genesis three, verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning. Let me just start. You know what cunning means, don't you? That dude is slick. Cunning means slick in Southern Alamance County, slick or deceptive. He'll who do you? Did you know the Bible speaks more about the deceptive cunningness of Satan than it does his power? He really don't have much power except to cause you to do dumb things and disobey or disbelieve. All right. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Verse one, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, time out. Can Satan speak to people? Right there it is. He said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? How many of you believe he knew God said that? That sucker, <laughs> he knew good and well what God had said. What's he doing right there? He's putting a question mark over God's word. He is attacking her faith in God's word. He constantly attacks your faith in God's word. Let me tell you something. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Period. That's what the Bible says. Listen to this. In your, this gets in your head or your emotions. You sure about that? You sure? He puts a question mark over God's word, which is an attack on people's faith. And he'll attack your faith. We lose a loved one. And we've heard this Bible stuff to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the Lord if you're a believer. If this body's destroyed, we have a body in the heavens that's not made with hands. We believe that. And all of a sudden, to show you how cruel he is, in those terrible moments, he'll get in your head or your emotions and say, you, you sure about this stuff? Well, prove it. And he's always attacking your faith because he knows if I cut their faith off, I can cut the touch of God off in their lives. He'll attack your faith. For instance, if you fear something in the future, if, you have, if a believer has any fear of anything in the future, that's an attack on your faith. Your father has declared the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'll fear no evil because thou art with me. Amen. I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, right. the promises of God would carry us all the way to glory. So if you fear anything in the future, that's an attack on your faith. It's an attack on the promise of God in your life. And uh, well, let me take a minute about this. If he can destroy your faith, he can stop the power of God in your life. He can stop the blessing of God on your life. I've seen this over and over. I want to show you how he does it. I want you to turn to Mark chapter four. Let's see how this happens in our lives. Mark chapter four. Dear ones, Everything rises and falls on the word of God or the promise of God. And our enemy knows that. That's why he battles the word of God throughout the ages. First thing he ever did was attack God's word. He's still doing it today. Uh, listen to me. You don't know how what a treasure this book in your hands is. People, people would have given anything to have had this book at one time. All right, Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter four. I want you to look with me. Um, 
I want to look at Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Now, Jesus has told a parable and he says, this is how life is. Verse 13 of Mark 4. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Now, time out. That means before I can understand any parable, I got to get this one first. This is the first, not, may not be the premier parable. But this is the first parable you need to understand. And he said, if you don't understand this one, none of them will make sense to you. Verse 14, he said, the sower sows the word. Who gave you God's promises? He did. God gives you his word. Watch verse 15. These are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown into their lives. They hear Satan comes immediately to do what? Take away the word of God out of their hearts. That's how you destroy people's faith. They get the promise of God down in their hearts. They believe it. Good things happen. What's the enemy do according to verse 15? He's coming after the word in your heart. He's going to try and steal the word of God out of your heart. And of course, he doesn't grab it and run with it. He comes in with doubt and he begins to speak things to you. And I want you to look at two ways in this passage that he wants to steal the word of God out of your heart. Verse 16, these are people sown on stony ground. They hear the word, they receive it with gladness. Praise God, I'm saved, I'm forgiven. God's forgiven me and God's going to take care of me. He's going to bring people into my life. He's going to bring me a husband. I mean, not, not if you already got one. He, he's going to bring, he's going to provide me a good job. He's going to, I'm going to have friends. God's going to bring friends into my life. God's going to do, you hear all that? You just received the promises of God with gladness. Praise God. Verse 17, but they have no root. They endure afterward when difficulty or persecution arises for the word's sake, their faith collapses and they stumble. I, said, I, I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. I you know, things are not going like I thought they would. And then you, he begins to say, oh yeah, where, where's his promise? Where's God's word? Your faith staggers because he brings junk into your life. Then God is going to bless you. He's going to bless the fire out of you. Amen. Now listen to this. Remember the parable of the rich young man? No, not parables, an actual happened. A rich, a rich young man, a wealthy young man came to Jesus. He said, I, he said, I, I want to go to heaven, but I want more than that. And Jesus said, fine, sell everything you got. Get on the bus. That guy missed the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. And the Bible said he walked away sad. Why would you choose sad over Jesus? He walked away sad. And Simon said, <clears throat> you got to love Simon. You got to love Simon. You got to love Jesus for loving Simon. <laughs> Simon said, <clears throat> Master, <clears throat> we've given up everything to follow you. He pointed out that we got on the bus. He said, remember, I used to be in the fishing business. I sold that or I gave it away and followed you. And listen to what Jesus said. Nobody who follows me will not receive a hundred and gives up mother, father, house, land, occupation, who will not receive a hundred times as much in this life. Amen. See, we talk about heaven. Jesus said, you get, you get more in this life. Yeah. With persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Follow me completely. I'll give you more than you ever had. It's going to be, be some tough times, persecutions, and then you get to live forever with me. That's a pretty good deal right there. But these are folks that they begin to follow Jesus and he's doing things that's so good in their lives. And then all of a sudden, unexpected things happen and, and their faith is shattered and the seed is stolen out of their lives. Look at another situation. No way he steals faith from us. Verse uh, 18. These are the ones sown among thorns. They're, they hear the word of the Lord and the problems, the worries, the anxieties of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other junk come in and choke the word. These are people who want that God's going to do great things in their lives, but they get so busy in life and pursuing stuff that they, they don't hear it. They neglect it. And for long, their faith just what? Now listen, 
It doesn't kill it immediately. What happens when you choke something? It slowly dies. And their faith slowly dies. And they begin to lose the excitement and the, and the blessing. And they just notice, you know, one day you look and say, what, what happened to me? Well, what does my enemy use to choke the life? This is Americana right here. What does the enemy use to choke the life out, out of my faith? American life. Yeah. The clutter, the busyness, the... The, I got to have a bigger house. Well, you, you're going to have a bigger mortgage and you're going to get a bigger vacuum cleaner because you're going to spend all your time vacuuming and no time to build your fire. Americana. Let me show you something. Verse 20. These are the ones sown on good ground. They hear the word. It gets in their hearts and things just happen in their lives bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen. Can you see they build their faith by getting it down into their hearts? This is how the enemy steals the word out of our lives. Let me... Uh, let me, let me throw, uh, the, I, I, the word of God is under tremendous assault in this generation. The Bible said it would be. And it's not a surprise to anybody that knows the Bible. Let me tell you where the great attacks coming on God's word from this generation. Number one, academia. Our educational system is the enemy of God's word. Flat out, I don't want to hear it. End of discussion. Uh, the sciences, now I'm all about science. I'm, I'm healthy because of science today. But dear ones, <clears throat> science should be catching up with God's word not disproving God's word. The great scientists of yesterday were men of, men of faith. They believed God's word. But I, uh, the, uh, the philosophies, oh my gosh, I'm not going to mention a pale blue school 23 miles from here, but the philosophies. How can you have the chairman of the religion department an avowed atheist? I don't understand this kind of stuff. It's a joke's what it is. But, dear ones, but the book of Colossians chapter two says, make sure nobody steals what God gave you through philosophy and empty deceptions and arguments of men. And uh, of course, through philosophy, um, as I mentioned, the entertainment industry is a great enemy of God's word. And they you know, lay the ax to the end of God's word. Human logic and rationale, we consider ourselves great thinkers today. You don't need a big head, you need a big heart. Right. It's not with the head that man believes. That's where we're in trouble. With the heart, man believes. Right. Living faith comes out of your heart. Now you say, well, you sound like you're anti-intellectual. I'm anti-pseudo-intellectual. God gave you a mind, use it, fill it with his word, bless people with it, use it to invent things to help people. But the mind has to always bow to the word of God, That's right. the truth. Matter of fact, if you're not careful, let me tell you what God said he'd do to smart people. Now, if you don't believe this, look it up. I thank you, Father, that you have hidden truth from the wise and the intellectual in their own sight but you have revealed truth to the humble. So people who flex their big heads, he might just pull the wool over your eyes. And uh, great, you know, so we, we got to figure all this. I, I'm talking to people about faith. and so I'm trying to figure this out. You can forget it. You're not going to figure this out. It has to be revealed to you by the spirit of God. And he's good at it. That's what he does. Emotionalism. I'm not going to talk about emotionalism anymore because I talk about it all the time. But I'm going to tell you something. God's word and your emotions are never going to line up. His word doesn't come out of your emotions. You have to tell your emotions, knock it off, drama thing. God's word prevails no matter what I feel. That, that'd be a good mantra right there. God's word prevails. And now what's happened in America? I knew, I knew it was coming 40 years ago because I read the Bible. Religion has become the enemy of God's word in America. It's just crazy at the denominations in the churches that are denying the Bible now. I've had people say to me, well, you, you know, you'll, you'll come around. I will die holding on to this book. This book got me saved. This book changed my life. This book's blessed my family through the years. Me and this book's going down together. Yep. 
Son, this is all I got right here. As my dear friend, Dr. Joe Brown said, I'm not smart enough to preach anything but the Bible, but I am too smart to preach anything but the Bible. And you got to stick with this book. But the great attack on this book is coming from religious circles now. My, oh, my goodness, I'm going to give me one of them backwards collars and choke on it. May all this is coming against it. All right, here, here's the point. Here's the point. Then when, for your faith to be strong, you have to feed it constantly. You, you can't get a one-shot deal. Yes. What do you think that thing about manna falling from heaven, what do you think that was about? Yeah. You remember that? He fed them with manna from heaven. And do you remember anything that was unusual about that bread? Bread fell from heaven every morning they went out and collected it. What was unusual about it? He said, do not try to pick up two days worth. Yeah. You remember that? He said, if you pick up two days worth, it'll rot. You only get one, remember this? One day's portion every day. What was he te- oh, he was teaching them to depend on him, but he was teaching me a lesson about faith. Now in John chapter six, five and six, we won't look at it, but the disciples came to Jesus and said, uh, see, you, you think you're God, huh? So not disciples, the crowd, not the Pharisees, but not the disciples. They came to Jesus and said, so you think you're God? They said, uh, Moses gave us manna in the wilderness. What are you going to give us? Prove you God. He said, Moses didn't give you manna. He said, my father gives you the true bread that comes down from heaven. He said, I am the bread of life. He who, listen to this, feeds on me will live. And Jesus said that manna that fell from heaven was a picture of your daily faith being fed by me. And what a tremendous picture. You can have mountain moving faith one day and 30 days later, not even know whether you saved or not. It's got to be fed. You, you got to keep feeding your faith just like you feed your belly. You know, you can eat till you just slam full and overflowing. And 24 hours later, you're starving. Mm-hmm. Our faith is the same way. It has to be fed to survive. Now, it um, has to be fed to stay strong. I want you to look with me at one of the great prophecies of the days we live in, in faith. In the little book of Jude, turn to the book of Revelation, and it's just one page in front of Revelation. There's a little book called Jude. All right, the Beatles wrote a song about this book years ago. Oh, actually, the Beatles were drug addicts. This was poor Lima. This was a common name in that day. It was actually pronounced Judas. Some, but it was reduced. Did you know Jesus had a brother named Judas? One of Jesus' flesh and blood brothers' name was Judas, but it would be pronounced Jude a lot of times. So the name's Judas or Jude. And he wrote this little book. And in this book, he's writing, this is, he's, he's writing, this is the precursor to Revelation because Revelation is the revelation of the latter days. But Jude is the precursor right before we get into the days of Revelation when he says this, the faith is still, is going to be here. But in the latter days, people are going to go crazy and deception. And then he has a word for me and you. Let's, let's read a little bit in verse three, beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I find it necessary to write to you encouraging you to contend earnestly for the faith. faith. Tell me what we're supposed to fight for. What what do we contend for? Our own faith, which was once for all time delivered to the saints. Can you hear what he's saying right there? I'm I'm writing you to say, you got to hang on to your faith. Fight for your faith, build your faith. And then he goes on to describe the craziness of the days we're living in. And it reads like USA Today, like a newspaper. Uh, Let's look all the way over to verse 18. I told you there would be mockers in the last days who would walk according to their own lusts. These are carnal persons who cause division, not having the spirit of God. Guess who he's talking about? People in the church. He said, these are church, these are church leaders that they don't have the Holy Spirit. And he said, uh, he said, I'm telling you, it's going to get nutty before Jesus gets back. Now watch the encouragement to us in verse 20. But you beloved, 
building yourselves up on your most holy faith. What did he tell me you do? He said, don't listen to them people. You just keep building your faith. You build your faith up. Make sure your faith stays strong. Building up your faith. And watch this. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the return of Jesus. Aren't those some strange words in verse 21? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Why do I have to keep myself in the love? Does that mean I have to keep being good so God will love me? God loved me when I was a sinner. He's never loved me more than when I was using his name in vain. How do I have to keep God loving me? What does it mean keep yourselves in the love of God? Stay in a place where he can love on you. Stay in a place. It's up to you to stay in that place where God can pour his love into your heart. And, uh, and I, can you see in this verse, verse 20, <clears throat> who's responsible for my faith? Who's responsible for my faith? What does it say? The Bible says this, you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith. I have to build my faith up. If I'm going to walk in grace and have the power of God in my life and the blessing of God, I've got to walk in. Now, let me take just a minute. I just, I just want you to see in Jude where he says it's going to get crazy. And the craziness is going to come from inside the church, which is what the book of Jude says. He said, but you keep chasing the faith that was delivered once for all. But I want you to keep building your faith up through these days. Keep doing it. Now, how does this happen? All right. Let me take just a minute here. The spirit of God uses the word of God in your heart to explode faith. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to put faith into your heart. Let's look how he does that. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. I want you to memorize a verse. This is a, we always pitch back to this verse here. Romans chapter 10 is that great verse about believing. He says you have to hear. If you can't hear, you can't believe. And he says, you know, talks about hearing. But I want you to read with me in Romans chapter 10. And then I want to I tell you where so many miss it in American churches. They don't know the difference between head faith and heart faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I literally, my heart grows in faith and faith will grow inside of me when I hear the word of God. Now listen, I can hear preachers preach and it'll kill my faith and they're quoting the Bible. It's not enough to hear the Bible. Only the Holy Spirit can bring, only the Spirit of God can bring faith into your heart. But what does he use? He uses God's word. And he takes this word. Now, now there was most of the believing and faith that I see today. It's intellectual faith. Uh, I'll ask people, say, well, do, you, do you know God loves you? And I say, yes, yes, I know the verse. No, you, no, you don't. <laughs> you just told me you got it cataloged in your head. You don't respond like that when it's burning in your heart. Right. Was, it's with the heart. Look in verse 10 with me right there. What does man believe with? Intellect or it is with the heart that man believes. There's a big difference in being able to quote Bible verses in your head and having them burn inside your heart. Yes. What we want is the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and ignite our hearts. That's where you get faith heart from. Do you remember? I believe it's Luke 22, 23. Jesus had risen from the dead. He's walking. There's two men walking. He joins them. And uh, they didn't know who he was. He was disguised. And uh, they, he said to them, why are y'all so sad? They said, are you the only person who don't know what just happened here? And Jesus said, tell me about it. Do you really think he needed to be told he'd been crucified? He said, tell me about it. So they told him about Jesus of Nazareth. They're standing right there. They're telling him what happened to him. They told him about the crucifixion and all this. And they said, and furthermore, it's even crazier now because some of these neurotic women just got back from the grave and said, he's alive. We don't know what to believe. And he walked along with them. It said they walked for a long ways. They got to the house and he would walk them. They said, stay with us. 
So they ate and Jesus all of a sudden broke the bread and their eyes were open. They said, it's him. And he disappeared. Now listen to what they said. Did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke the word to us on the way? You can hear the Bible and it'll bore you to death, but when the Spirit of God speaks the Word of God into your heart, faith comes alive right here. That's how you feed your faith. And we don't just need a head faith. You can quote the Bible from your head and it'll do you a bit of good. It is heart faith with the heart man believes. And that's why we've got to build faith in our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit get inside of here and use the Word of God to build great, great heart faith inside of us. We're going to talk about how to say, but let me show you something else before we talk about how. Look with me in Mark chapter five. Let me show you a great example of this. I have known well-trained preachers who didn't have enough faith. They couldn't have got an ant's motorcycle halfway across a marble. I mean, they were great. They could quote the Bible in three languages, but they had no living faith. And then I've known people who hadn't been saved but three days. They could raise the dead. Because there's a difference between knowledge and faith, living faith. We want a faith in our heart that explodes and is alive. Let me show you how this works. Now remember, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But you've got to hear it in the Spirit. Have you ever had this? Let me tell you what I love. I'm just a young believer. And man, I, I met Jesus and Jesus was so real to me. And I began to go to churches and I began to go wherever I could find Jesus. I was just looking for him all over. And I'd go in, I'm trying not to be ugly. I'd go in so many churches and it would just bore you. Just bore you. And I'd think, this guy's been preaching for years. He ought to be more excited than me. I'm the one's excited about Jesus. He can't even stay awake. That's bad when you wake, dream you're sleeping. I dream you preaching, wake up and you are. And then I remember going to hear a guy named Fred Wolf speak. And Fred spoke and I sat over here somewhere. He spoke for about 40 minutes. I sat there and my heart just burned. And I thought, I wish he'd just talk forever. So you know what the difference was? These men were preaching out of the Bible, textually. And it might have been true, but Fred was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was speaking, listen to what Jesus said. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The flesh profits nothing. Even the Bible and the flesh profits nothing. Only the spirit can give the word life. And I'd hear him preaching. I'd say, man, golly. And then I said, Find me, oh, I can't go to Mobile, Alabama. That's where he's from. I said, I got to find somebody around here. Went and heard Ross Rhodes, Calvary Church in Charlotte. He, and I said, Ross, I, said, well, I don't know what it is, but you got the same thing. I'm just a young believer. But you know the deal? I'm figuring this thing out better than some preachers are. I'm still working in the gas station, 17 years old, 18 years old. And uh, so I just, uh, I'll be honest with you, there's, there's preachers I can hear. And when they start talking, something inside of me just goes, yeah, suck it to me. Now yeah. as I go, I'm going to suck it to you. I'm not being unkind. It's, there was only the Spirit gives life That's right. to the Word of God. And they've been, I didn't know how to do this in years past. I'd read the Bible and it bored me as a Christian. But let me tell you something. This is the boringest book on earth apart from the Holy Spirit. But when I open this thing up and the Spirit of God comes, I could eat it. It is alive. It's life. Jesus said it's life to those who find it. You got to have the word plus the spirit, which is, and what happens is when you do that, faith rises up in your heart or just a believer. Somebody is full of faith can say something. And, uh, we was in a business meeting one time. God knows why we have business meetings. And, uh, you know, the experts and the pastor were saying, we don't say how we can do this. And a brand new Christian, young girl, she hadn't even 
straightened up. She stood up, she said, hey, I got to reading that Bible y'all gave me. I read in there where a guy named Moses prayed and God parted the Red Sea and they went through it. Let's do that. She expected them to believe the Bible. I remember just thinking, praise God. When she said that, faith arced from her mouth all the way into my heart. I said, yeah. Of course, the preacher said, well, it was over. It was if faith comes by hearing, faith will die by hearing some people. And he, he brought out the water buckets and he killed her faith. My goodness, it's tragic, isn't it? Tra anyway, I didn't mean to go into all that. Mark chapter five. Look at a minute. Mark chapter five. Look how faith works right here. Mark chapter five, uh, verse 25. Mark chapter five, 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood 12 years. This is awful. She's hemorrhaging internally. 12 years, dear ones. I think it says she'd spent all her money she was worse. 12 years, lost all her money to physician. What you got to understand is back in that culture, not only was she sick, she was isolated from everybody. That woman could not go to the temple for 12 years. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't be around men for 12 years. This has been a really rough time for her. And watch what happened. Verse 27, when she what? Heard about Jesus. Where's faith come from? When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in a crowd and touched his garment for she said, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. What happened to her? Did she touch his clothes? Did she get healed? Why did Jesus say she was healed? Well, let's read it. Jesus said she was healed. Verse 34, he said, daughter, God's will was to make you well. Is that what it says? Your faith did it. Your faith made you well. Now go in peace and look what he said. Stay healed. Keep your faith up. Stay healed. What healed this woman? Her faith. Where'd the faith come from? When she heard about Jesus. And not only that, let me tell you, she did. She didn't just hear it. She said it with her mouth. She said, I'm going to touch. I get hold of that. Now she had to fight through this crowd. Can you remember the Bible said the crowd was about to kill Jesus. They're about to, they thronged him. I think it said there was all over him. She's elbowing fishermen. And she's weak from loss of blood, but she fights her way to Jesus. Sometimes you've got to fight through people to get to Jesus. Can I get a witness? She got there. She touched him and immediately she was healed. Jesus didn't even know what he's doing. He said, who, who touched me? And they said, Simon said, what do you mean? who's touching you? The whole crowd's touching you. He said, no. He said, this is different. I felt, I felt, I felt power flow out of me. He didn't mean to heal her. He didn't even know she was there. That faith released the power of God into her life. And she was healed. And Jesus said, this is faith right here. He said, your faith did this. Now don't lose it. He said, stay healed. What are we learning right here? Faith comes by hearing. Where did it all start? Some, now she, you know she didn't read it in the Bible. They didn't have Bibles then. But this woman's suffering and a friend, I don't know. I'm, but she had to heard it from somebody. A friend comes by and said, you know that guy, that, that strange guy, the preacher with the bus from Galilee, said, you know, did you, did you hear about the widow from Nain's son? She said, no, what happened? He said, he died. And he's coming out the gate. They got in, he's in the casket. Jesus came up there and, and put his hand on her and said, don't weep. And he said, son, sat up. and said, the boy, sat up. Did you didn't hear this? She's telling him about Jesus. Said they, he lived and said they took the casket back to funeral home, got a full refund. <laughs> and she's telling her all this stuff, what Jesus is doing. Said, said yeah, you, you remember the, the crippled man, 38 years, sat outside the temple, hollering, aggravating you for change all the time? Said Jesus picked him up. He started walking. You remember that? And she, while this lady's talking about what Jesus is doing, what's happening in this lady's heart? Faith is growing because faith 
cometh or grows by hearing. Talk about Jesus, the word of God. It's growing inside of there. She reached point where she says, I got to go. And she said with her mouth, when I touch him, I'm healed. Then faith got to come out of your mouth somehow. I want you to listen to how we get saved. This is in Romans 10. Here's how we get saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. What's the two things you got to do to be saved? With your heart, you have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But what else you have to do? You got to open your mouth and say, he's my Lord. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior and he's my best friend for the rest of my life. What are the two things that work together? Faith in your heart and speaking it with your mouth. And that, that's all through scripture. That's carried all through scripture. So you and I, when you learn from this thing, we need to build our faith, build our faith. Somehow we've got to get this word into our hearts. Somehow, let, let, me, let me tell you something. I just, I just, this just came to me recently. There's a great revelation. I thought that if you matured and grew in your faith and got stronger and stronger, learned more and more, you'd reach a place where you could really just be a great giant of the faith. One day's portion every day till the day you see Jesus. He's not going to change it. Let me tell you something. When you realize, man, I was, I was raising the dead yesterday. And I don't even know if I'm saved today. That's good. That's good. That's a sign that you're growing in faith because guess what you better do today? You better go get you some more. That's right. One day's portion every day. That's why somebody should write a song, I need thee every hour. You have to have this constant. You have to feed your faith for it to be there. The fact that you wake up every morning needing a fresh touch from God that's growth. That's maturity. You say, well, I, I know people who, they don't ever seek him. They don't ever hear from him. They've been deacons for years. Well, they're dead deacons. Send anybody can hang around the church and be dead. We had a fellow die, actually die in the service one time in my last church, died in the service. Paramedics came. They hauled out eight guys before they got the right one. Just lucky to got him then. I shouldn't have said that. We don't want cold theology. We want to live in faith. We don't want cold knowledge. We want a living faith. And that faith comes by continually hearing. That faith rises and falls by hearing the word of God. Letting God speak to your heart. Right, I encourage you to do this. You, you, it's real hard to say one, two, three. Because Jesus deals with everybody different. Now, he deals with me. I take this book every morning. And I sat down and I open it and I begin in the Psalms. I read Psalms that, in, that just encourage your heart, talking about the goodness of the Lord and what he's done for you. And man, it's just, it's like Popeye's spinach. I can just, Lord Almighty, feel my temperature rising. That's, so much, that's a hymn from years ago. I can just feel the faith rising up. I can just feel the strength. And then years ago, I'm re, I read through the Gospels, four Gospels over and over. And I can just take the word of God. But you come to, it's not just because you open, I'm reading the Bible. You, you, got, you got to come with the heart. You got to come with an open heart and say, I, I need you today. Speak, Lord, thy servant listens. I praise you and thank you. Now speak to my heart. There's the word of God is alive. Yes. It's a living book, Hebrews 4.12. And it will pierce the division of your soul, your emotions, your intellect, and into your spirit. Mm. The word of God will go into your spirit and make it come alive. And you just go, man. And uh, I'm such a super saint now. I do that every morning. Several hours later, I got, it, I got it over the visor of my truck. I just pulled it while I'm riding. I just read with one hand. Not the whole Bible. My gosh, you'd have a wreck doing that. I mean, just verses of hope that build hope in your heart. I have to feed on this thing continuously. Yeah. Let me tell you what I've learned in my old age. I know how to look at my faith gauge and know you ain't much good for nothing right now. 
Now I'm precious. I'm saved. Jesus loves me. I'd go to heaven if I fell over. But you ain't much good for nothing right now. You better get under the spout, son, where the glory comes out. I need some more. I need some more. <clears throat> My wife, I used to ride a motorcycle. I'm too old now. I rode one of them Harley Davidsons, uh, Electroglide. And uh, I I've set the world's record for running out of gas. <laughs> Cars, trucks, motorcycles. Ran out in a tractor trailer one time. That's really stupid. I mean, it just holds 300 gallons. And I ran out on my motorcycle, did it a couple of times. And, and my wife, she don't understand. She said, you got out of college. I mean, you see minus, but you got out of college. And so we're in the uh, restaurant one day and the fellow who worked at the Harley Davidson place was in there. And she said, I wish y'all would put a gas gauge on them things. I said, thank you. He said, ma'am, go out there and look at it. He said, there's a needle right in the middle. And then there's a yellow flashing light that comes on when you get low. He could have not told her that had been fine by me. But it was, let me tell you what I finally learned. If it gets down to a quarter of a tank, Fill her up. this ain't hard, this ain't hard, this ain't hard. <laughs> or you're going to be sitting on the side of the road waiting on AAA to come get you and they're rough on motorcycles. Don't, don't do that. Look at, you, look at your heart. Learn to look at your heart and say, well, I'm, I'm a little low on faith right now. I better fill her up. I'm going to be on the side of the road and want somebody to come pray for me. Get, keep this thing filled up. Keep this thing. Uh, the great man of faith, Smith Wigglesworth. You better have faith with a name like that. Smith Wigglesworth. And he said, uh, he said, we feed our bodies three warm meals a day and try to let our souls live on one cold snack a week. That ain't how it works. He was always in the habit. He'd have like lunch or something. We finished lunch. He'd push the plate back. He'd say, now we fed our bodies. He'd whoop out his testaments and now let's feed our souls. Amen. Let's have a few verses, a good word from God before we go back to work now. He was a plumber. And uh, we need, we, you need to learn somehow, say, teach me how to feed my soul out of this word. Now listen, there's preaching you can listen to that'll bless, that'll, you know when preaching blesses your soul. You know when teaching blesses your soul. I listen to preaching all the time on the road. I don't need to learn to get something to preach. Gosh, I got 450 in one book, sermons. But I listen, like, for instance, I like to listen to Joyce Meyer. I shouldn't have said no names. Now we'll fight over theology. She never speaks that faith doesn't rise in me. I listened to Peter Lord this afternoon. He never speaks that faith doesn't rise in me. Mark Rutland, just, you just, it's not, I don't need to learn anything. I pretty well know the Bible now. I have to feed on this stuff. It's, it's not about learning something. It's about your heart being strong. He, he said, what did he say? Feed your faith and strengthen your faith. Now let me quit by dealing with a question a lot of people struggle with today. Is faith still for today? I hate the teaching of dispensationalism. It has ruined people's faith. Because dispensationalism says this. Well, God did great things back then, but we live in a different day now. I don't believe that mess. I've heard some of the dumbest explanations of that. Let me tell you something. I'm convinced of one thing. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and will be forever. Amen. But, but listen, let's don't just go on, you know, because I'm going to tell you something. The devil has worked through that kind of teaching. Got in people's heads and said, well, you know, that, that was back then. Let's look in the Bible. Turn me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. All right, 1 Corinthians 13 is going to settle this thing. I want to look at two verses before we quit here about faith for today. All right, the Bible talked about some things that happened years ago and the Bible talks about now. And this is that great verse that where it lists the three foundations of our life. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, and now, just stop right there. Tell me what the word now means in the Greek language. Now. now. What's the word abide means? It remains. And now remains faith, hope, and love. These three, 
course, the greatest is love. But these three things are what we build our lives on. It is hope, the hope of his promise that you build your life on. It is the love of God that we found everything on. And it is the faith that brings what love bought to pass. Can I ask you a question? Is faith still here today? What does that say? Yes. Now abides faith. I remember years ago, a man that helped me some. And he said, you know, I'm, I was uh, sick. He said, I was dying. 17 year old boy, I'm dying. And the Methodist preacher came over and said, well, son, God doesn't heal and passed away. He said, no need to be prayed to be healed. He said, heal and passed away. He said, I went into despair. So I guess I'm going to die. And he just started reading the Bible. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he opened the first Corinthians 13 and he said, well, praise God. Healing may have passed away, but faith hadn't passed away because right there it says now faith remains. He said, I'll just use my faith to get well. And he lived to be 83. Wow. You know, I'm going to tell you some faith hadn't passed away. It's still here today. All right. Now I want you to look at one of the most marvelous and encouraging passages where Jesus said, here's what I'm looking for when I get back to this earth. Turn me to Luke chapter 17. He said, here's what I want to find when I get back to earth. Listen, you say, well, I'm, I'm struggling to behave. It's not a discipline problem. It's a faith problem. If you're struggling to behave, it's not because you're not tough. It's because you don't believe that I was crucified with Christ and my old man's been buried with him and I've been resurrected to a new life. Everything comes back to a problem of faith when it doesn't work right. Now I'm throwing this in for free since we're on the page. Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to Jesus, what'd they say? What'd they say? Incre grow our faith, increase our faith. So can you see the faith can grow? Can you, why would they say something like that? Why would they say, now did they have faith? They were apostles. Sure they had faith, but what'd they want? We want more faith, increase our faith. Now dear ones, are there levels of faith? Yes. Uh, you hear Jesus say to some people, you got no faith. He said to Simon, your faith is little. He said to the, the Syrophoenician woman, you have great faith. And to the Thessalonians, he said, you have exceedingly growing faith. So faith can grow. And they said, we want you to increase our faith. We want more faith. I wonder why they asked him for that. Guess why? Because they saw what he could do with faith. And they saw what faith could do. And they said, we better get us some of that faith. Would you increase our faith? And then Jesus gives this great word to them and to you. Jesus said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, why did he pick a mustard seed? Y'all know why? Because that's the smallest seed there is. He said, just a little bit of faith. As a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, planted in the sea. It'd do what you, what you tell it to do, not what God tells it to do. You say, well, Brother Brian, I like mulberry trees. I'll be throwing no mulberry trees in the ocean. That don't interest me a bit. <laughs> Surely you understand he wasn't talking about pulling up your mulberry trees. Problems. Insurmountable. He said, faith can cause you to speak to problems. That's Mark 11, 20, 23 also. And so Jesus said, I said, I, I need, I've seen what faith can do. I need more faith. And Jesus said, if you had this much, I want you to watch this. This is an encouragement for us. It's for this day in Luke 18, one, Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray. And what? Do not get discouraged. Do not lose heart. What does Jesus want us to do today? You just keep praying and don't lose heart. What's another way of saying lose heart? Where's faith at? Don't lose your faith. Jesus said, you keep praying. Don't let nobody steal your faith. And he tells this wonder. And then he, he says, let me help you how to keep your faith up. Verse two said, there was in a certain city, a judge. He didn't fear God. He didn't like people. So you got a judge who doesn't care what God says. In other words, he has no justice. He didn't care about people. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him. That don't mean nothing to you. 
But in that culture, when he said the word widow, they said she's done. A woman could not legally go before a judge in that day by herself. She had to have her husband go. So she's a widow. Ain't nobody. She can't, she can't even get in front of this judge who don't care about people and don't fear God. What's her chances? I mean, below zero. That's in the negative here. So they're set, Jesus setting this thing up. And she came to him saying, get justice for me for my absence. She said, I need help. Get justice. He would not for a while. What's this? Afterward, he said within himself, I don't fear God. I don't care about people. Because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest she wear me out. God. Jesus is talking about faith here. That the poor guy, she tries to get in the courtroom. He says, get her out of here. He gets done with court. He goes out to his car. She's standing there. He wakes up in the morning, goes to pour his orange juice. She's in his window. He goes to the first church, wherever he sits, and she's at the back door waiting on him. Finally, he said, I don't care about God. I don't care about you, but what, tell me what you want. I'll give it to you if you just shut up. How many of you, please listen to me. I've heard preachers mess this up. They say, if you'll just wear God out, he'll give you something. Really? Really? God have mercy. He don't wear out. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. God said, listen to what that judge said. Shall God not avenge his own... Now, that, by the way, this is a trick question. Don't answer fast. Shall God not avenge his own children who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? The answer is no. He's not going to answer you because you keep aggravating. Verse 8, I tell you, he will answer you speedily. What's he saying? If a woman can wear a wicked judge down, what do you think a loving father will do if you come ask him? Come on. He said, he said, is God, he said, do you, will God not help you if you'll just keep aggravating him? He said, no, you don't have to aggravate him. He'll answer you quickly. He'll avenge you speedily. Now, once you watch this, nevertheless, when the son of man comes back to earth, is he going to find faith on the earth? What's Jesus looking for when he gets back? He's looking for faith. Let me make an announcement. He will if I'm here. He will if you're here. When Jesus comes back, what's he going to be looking for? Faith, which is what? People who can, read the first verse, people who can not get discouraged, not lose faith and keep praying, believing God's going to do something for me. God's going to do something for me. So where's that kind of faith come? You get into promises of God and let the Holy Spirit light them up in your heart and you will believe with your heart and then you can pray. And we'll talk a little more about this next week about praying and faith, whatnot. But anyways, I want you to understand, Jesus is always looking. What was Jesus always looking for when he walked on the earth? Faith. A blind man came and Jesus said, do you believe I can do this? He was always looking for faith. All right, according to that passage, what's he looking for now? When the Son of Man gets back to this earth, are we going to find faith on the earth? It was answer. Sure are. We show sure is. All right, I want you to, don't let Satan steal the word of God out of your heart. Don't let him smash your faith and steal faith away from you. When you, you feel lost and confused and you're mad and the power of God's gone in your life and the Holy Spirit's 90,000 miles away, there may not be anything wrong with you. You just empty. You just need to, you need to find you a quiet place and you need, and listen to me, don't, don't go, oh, come to my heart. You take his book and you say, God is fixing to talk to me. Right. And you got to go, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. You practice this and, and don't let anything stop you from letting God build your faith. I, do want to, I find, find preachers and teachers that they, God speaks to them and listen to them and feed yourself, feed yourself on that thing. This, this is good news right here. And stay out of the, stay out of Leviticus. 
Stay out of the all nations shall be turned into hell to forget. Stay out of that stuff. Get in the good stuff. I stay out of the liver mush section in the grocery store. Get to the good stuff, doc. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. You did everything in the world for us. You died for us. You gave us your word. You paved the way to glory you. You've done everything you could do for us, but there's one thing you can't do for me. You can't build my faith. You can't feed on your word for me. I thank you for the Holy Spirit of God who lights this word up. And I thank you and praise you. I want everybody in, the, in my church to be like those two fellows on the road to Emmaus who say, did not our hearts burn within us when God was talking to us? When he spoke the word to us? And I, I thank you that we can have great faith today. That we like Simon can stand over top of the problems and, and the storm that's raging doesn't affect us a bit. And what a, oh, thank you that the power of God is still available today. And I thank you that by faith, we can bring to pass everything Jesus promised. Thank you for the most precious thing on this planet, which is the promises of you that you gave us in your word. And I pray in Jesus' name, I declare over these people, these are great men and women of faith who believe you. They can hear your voice and they let the spirit of God build faith in their hearts by the word of God. And they're, they're faith stormers and they're people that are always looking for faith and looking for words that'll build their faith up. And they pursue faith as though their lives depended on it because they do. Thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you for the word of God. And I thank you and praise you, dear Jesus, for the promise we saw tonight. You're coming back to this earth one day. And you're going to find the people standing in faith saying, we knew you'd be back. We knew you'd be back. And it's just as good as you said it was. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.